Hello, my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Now, big question for this week. Does the Bible say anything about world environmental issues? This week, we've been talking, who does rightly own the world and all that is in it? What is mankind's appointed role? Why won't green political solutions work? And what is the biblical solution? Our co-host today is Helen Gray. Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. Helen, welcome. It's great to have you again. Thank you, Gary. It's great to be here. I feel like I want to repeat what you said. Hello, my wonderful friends. It's it's wonderful to have all our listeners on board as well, it isn't is, it? It is, absolutely. You're telling me that it's been very cold up at Birdwood uh, in the last uh, last few days. Uh, yeah, just a tad. The other day it was, uh, I believe, minus five degrees. That's just a bit too wow, cold. Wow, wow. Birdwood yeah. is a lovely place in the middle of summer when you have to retreat from those really hot days that we have. The temperature is always five degrees lower, but in the middle of winter... It's always five degrees lower as well. Well, that's true. Might, might I also say that it is still beautiful to drive up there through the day. Yeah. Some of the days have been beautiful and the trees, it's, it's a picture. It's, it's one of those uh, yeah. places that I really miss. In fact, if any of our listeners haven't actually driven up uh, the Torrens Valley Road up to Birdwood, you've really missed something beautiful. Yes. You've got all the grape vines there. You've got the autumn leaves, uh, a wonderful part. So it's a real privilege to be able to minister in this part of South Oz, isn't it? Absolutely. Fantastic. Absolutely. Fantastic. Helen, tell us, what are you most passionate about in ministry? I'm passionate about sharing my best friend. Sharing your best friend. Absolutely. I'm passionate about keeping that relationship with him. Yeah. Yeah. It's 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 really the foundation of everything that we we have to do in ministry, isn't it? Yes. I'm passionate like Paul that I want to die daily. Let yeah. him take over my life. You know, when I first came to know him, it was like there's an old saying that says, um I start off with being all of all of me and and none of Christ, mm. and then, as I got to know him, it was some of me and some of Christ, yeah, and now, yeah, none of me. All of Christ, yeah, no, life abundantly is just amazing. It's amazing how a fellowship with Christ really gives you an incredible peace, isn't it? Oh, absolutely! It gives you a reason to get up in the morning. It gives you a, a motivation. We've got the blessed hope to look for when He comes. He's preparing a place, yeah, and it doesn't matter, you know, what I live in. And He also says, "Don't worry about what you eat or drink or what you wear." Mm. And even that, I turn over to Him. I said, "Well." What are we going to wear today, Lord? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that might sound crazy to some people, but he is my best friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that, and that's a wonderful testimony to have oh. because that's indeed exactly what it is. It's mm. a testimony. And, you know, there are so many Christian people who can, um, who really can give exactly that same testimony. Mm. Uh, Helen, tell me something, though. I'm really conscious that in your ministry, one of the things that you speak a great deal about is prayer. Why do you spend so much time speaking about it's a theme that's coming through in your ministry? Uh, it is it is very important in my life. Um, 
when I think of who my best friend is, I want to share everything with him. And uh, I know he'll never let me down. Mm. I know that um, he sees after my needs and the needs of my friends. I know that he doesn't, you know, I might say, hey, I'd love that Mercedes sports car, you know, with the top, soft top and what have you. But I I know it's not a need, Mm. you know, and he's not a grocery manager, sales manager or anything like that. He is actually very much concerned about each each individual person. Prayer to me um, is like breathing. You know, if we stop breathing... We're in trouble. Mm. And if I stop praying and talking with my best friend and listening to him, yeah, and listening to him. I'm in trouble. Yeah. And, you know, and the same thing comes to eating. We stop eating, we gradually starve. And yeah. that's the same if we stop studying his love letter to us. And yeah. it is a love letter to yeah. us. Yeah. Um, if we stop that, well, we're going to starve spiritually. Yeah, yeah. No, that yeah. is so true. I know this morning I was, I was just reading from a – I love the devotional book, Desire of Ages. And I, was, I read a so chapter from it this morning and – it's something that uh, sets your day off in a very beautiful way, doesn't it? Mm, may I say about that but too, Gary? I'd read it years ago, and two years ago I decided also I was going to read it again, but just one chapter very slowly. Yeah. And I noticed that at the end of every chapter I was down on my knees crying. Yeah. Every single yeah. chapter. Let me also say a reason I'm passionate about prayer is because I know prayer works. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I've seen so many answers to prayer. I've seen miracles, um, not only in my own life, but when we've prayed for other people. You know, God, He cares so yeah, much. Yeah, and, and I'm conscious that in the the seminars that you do, this certainly comes through incredibly powerfully. Tell me, do you are you sensing that there's an increased interest in prayer today? I believe so, Gary. I believe so, um, especially when people learn who it is they're praying with and and to mm. you know it's until people get to know him they're not going to love him yeah yeah but when you get to know him and you love him you want to spend time with him yeah. you know martin luther was a great proponent of prayer mm. he used to say the busier i am the more i have to pray yeah and it's so so true yeah. i've, I've tested that in my own life mm. and I think I've shared that with you before it's it's just incredible to see how he actually moves in our life through prayer and how the Holy Spirit you know it could be anguishing over something in scripture and it's just amazing how it's like a light goes on yeah you know or yeah. a gem pops up yeah and yeah. you go wow and to I me, the thing before? I appreciate is the way that I think I call them coincidences. No coincidences, such thing as the coincidences. Coincidences seem yeah. to happen <laughs> far more in your favour. Mm. I know I, I know I shouldn't be saying that, but you know, coincidence seems to happen more regularly uh, when you've actually spent time with with Christ. You actually have uh, people ask you questions that. Open the door to being able to 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 share your faith with them yes. in an incredibly natural way mm. that doesn't happen if you're not praying. How yes. have you found it? Well, I agree with you there, but I disagree with coincidences. I'm so sorry, Gary. <laughs> I'm I being actually, a bit facetious I there, know, actually. I've, I've had I actually had a lay minister say to me once that he didn't he didn't like the fact that I had these wonderful answers to prayer. He said they're coincidences, and I remember saying to him one day, I said, one day God's going to show you that you will not doubt. Mm. That you will know without a shadow of a doubt it can't be a, a coincidence. And it happened that very day when I was to preach at a particular church. And when I got up to preach, I started coughing. 
and I couldn't stop coughing. You know, they gave me water, I coughed. They gave me a lozenge, I coughed. It didn't matter what I did. I opened my mouth and I coughed. And and finally, in the end, through all the coughing, I said, we need to pray. And we prayed. And I said, Lord, if I'm not to speak today, fine, keep the coughing coming. But if there's a message you want me to share... Please stop this coughing and give me strength to do it. And I never coughed once after that. My voice got stronger and stronger. I wanted to do cartwheels down the... (laughs) Can you imagine it, Gary? (laughs) I wanted to do cartwheels. I'd love to see that, actually. (laughs) When I was younger, I wanted to do cartwheels down the the aisle of the church. And I went straight to this gentleman and I I shook his hand. I said, that was for you. Yeah. Yeah, and he yeah. just looked at me absolutely dumbfounded. He yeah. said, I will watch what I say in future. <laughs> uh, tell me something, Helen. If a person you know, doesn't have a prayer life, how do they build a prayer life? Okay, well, I believe it can be very simple to start with. Even if you don't believe in God, you know, you can, and he knows your needs. He knows what's going on in your head. And if you're willing to at least say, God, I, I'm not sure you're even there. But I need you. Yeah. You know, please, yeah. I'm here. I'm willing to follow you. In other words, there's an immense me. amount of honesty there, isn't there? Yes, yes, absolutely. Because he knows all about us. Yeah. You know, people get a bit worried when they see some of these reality shows like Big Brother, I think it is, and things like that. But they forget that God sees everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he knows what's even in our mind before we speak. And yet to be you able know. to spend time, oh. you know, and even... In silence, you know, I, I find in my own my own prayer life sometimes it's the times of silence that are actually the most powerful. Yeah, I love sitting out in nature, yeah. and sometimes I sit even outside my house, and there's a lemon tree there, and and I'll see the sun streaming in, and it just I don't know, I seem to feel closer. Mm. It's like I can sense God's presence. Right I, I, I actually but I don't want it to stop. That's the whole thing. I want to stay in His presence. Yeah, mm-hmm. I actually find some. You know, some some quiet, some some hymns in the background. Yes. I'll often put some hymns on in the background yes. and just let them play quietly yeah. because there's often messages that have been written into those hymns that mm. that come through to me in an incredibly powerful way. Yeah. Let me say also, Gary, that if you don't know, you don't have to have the words of an orator to talk yeah. to God. Yeah. And, I mean, the Holy Spirit takes our prayers anyway yeah. um, to him and presents them. But, you know, sometimes people say, but I don't know how to pray. Open the book of Psalms. Yeah. Go to yeah. the praise Psalms that David wrote. Use them. Put them in your own words yeah. Yeah. And, and use them. They're powerful. Praying through the sanctuary service yeah. was another very, very – I'm showing ladies now and uh, how to go about that one. Mm. And it's just – it's incredible. It's powerful. Yeah. Absolutely yeah, yeah, powerful. No, that's fantastic. I really appreciate your sharing there. I thought this is this is an area of emphasis that we really want to build in uh, on Faith FM and mm. really appreciate that prayer time before we come to our subject of today. But before we go to our subject, I just got to come very quickly to our uh, trend discussion because there's some amazing trends that are happening in our religious world at the present time. And uh, this week we've talked a number of times about the reopening of churches. And the thing I'm noticing is that online this discussion 
is actually really gathering pace. The number of articles are actually being supported by surveys that have been done. Much of the survey material, of course, is is American-driven, but I suggest to you that it's actually very relevant to us here in Australia. Now, I'm conscious of a, uh, of a survey that I picked up just today. It was released only yesterday, and it was entitled, Most Churches Have Chosen Not to Return to In-Person Services, a Survey Finds. Now, the survey... Uh, was uh, was done by the Wheaton uh, Billy Graham Cent- the Billy Graham Centers Send Institute, and uh, they were looking at the churches that were returning to worshiping together. In a key finding, the survey showed that most churches have the potential. This is of course in America uh, to meet for in person services, but about two thirds have actually not done that. Uh, some church leaders explain that while they're allowed to gather um, to the, uh, in their capacity, the, uh, the health and the safety of their congregation and their community outweigh their ability and desire to gather, the study said. Others have shared that restrictions on congregational singing, hesitation from ministry volunteers and the inability to linger before and after services conversations greatly reduce the value of in-person gatherings. About one-third of pastors reported their churches have returned to in-person gatherings, but only half the congregation is attending. Now, that is a really significant finding. As expected, 80% of large churches, those who boasted an attendance greater than a 1,000 by their definition, uh, reported that they are still not meeting. And another key finding, half of churches will most likely return to in-person gathering this meet, this month, but a third said they're still not sure when they're going to return to full opening. Now, Helen, uh, do, you, do you think that, you know, I mean, these surveys, we've, I've found three of them that have come out just this, uh, just this week, and we've, we've shared those this week, but do you, do you think that these sorts of responses could be replicated in Australia? Absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt at all, Gary. We do tend to follow yeah. a lot that's yeah. happening there. Yeah. But just yeah. just in conversations with um, even other, with other denominations and within pastors in our own congregation, the feelings are very similar. And, and when you look at the congregation themselves, there are mixed. They're mixed feelings. Very much mixed feelings. Some, some of course, feel what's the point of opening the church with only a small number because, yeah. you know, a small number or a large number, you can still get the coronavirus. And so, you know, they're being very hesitant at doing it. Others, um, ministers are being pressured by their own congregation because they're tired of isolation. Yeah, They want yeah. the fellowship. They want face-to-face. The sad part is, though, Gary, that in other countries, and I, I'm, I know Singapore is one of them, that when they opened up, um, they reported that they were down about 25% yeah. of their yeah. congregation. Yeah. So rather than thinking that through this virus people are going to increase their church attendance, it's actually going the other way. Yeah, and, and that and is sad. something that's been replicated amongst a number of the, the surveys out there. And uh, I, I'm really conscious that if that flows across, I mean, that could have a huge, even devastating impact on many churches in this country. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, tell us, um, Helen, um, do you think that we might be seeing the reemergence of the, the smaller family-based worshipping congregation? 
I think as far as it would be more like a home home group, a home church, smaller groups, but not not actually meeting in their own churches. I and I know that I, I meet with a smaller group in a home, and it's a Bible study. We observe the <clears throat> the law of the land, of course. But it's made such a difference yeah. um, to be face to face with people, yeah. yeah, as opposed to. I mean, technology is great. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's had its place, and it still has its place. You know, the Zoom meetings and whatever you have, um, and your Facebook. But it's not quite the same. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not the same. It's it's not actually. In fact, mm. our, I know the church that I pastor. We're reopening in our. Uh, in our full extent this this weekend and uh, one of the things that I'm really conscious of is I actually sent a a text out to all my church members I I shared with them I said look uh, rather than me preach how about you share how would you feel about sharing the good things that the Lord has done for you and uh, we said uh, you know if you'd like to just text me back and the thing that really stood out to me was that I actually got uh, six texts back within about half an hour of sending out my text messages. And so that's the way we're going to go this weekend because what I'm conscious of is that in my text message, I actually said to the people, I said, there will be no cameras and no screens. And I've got some <laughs> wonderful responses back on that because yes. that was actually seen. This is something that we're, we're craving at the present time. Yes, yeah, seen yeah. the same, um, Gary. People see all those screens in that more like a barrier yeah, than anything indeed, else, indeed, you know, indeed. and not being able to hug anybody, you know, it's a virtual hug, yeah. you know, and it seems so, what's the word I want? Unnatural. Unreal, yes, yes, yes unnatural, yeah, yeah. unreal, and it's not how we were designed. Yeah. We yeah, weren't designed yeah. to be, you know, living like this. Yeah, yeah. That's, and, and that's, that's so true, Helen, that yeah. is so true. Let's come to some music. This is Bill and Gloria Gaither, Because He Lives. Please enjoy. How sweet to hold him, our newborn baby, and feel the pride and the joy that he gives. But greater still, the calm assurance. We can face uncertain days. I don't care what the headlines on CNN say tomorrow. We can face uncertain days. Sing with us. Because he lives. Oh, that's good. And because he
Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host is Helen Gray. Helen's the lay pastoral leader of the Birdwood Adventist Church. And our big question for this week, does the Bible say anything about world environmental issues? Uh, so far this week, we've talked about uh, issues of whose world is this? Yesterday... We talked about green political solutions. Why won't they look? Why won't they work? We looked at the problem of human nature yesterday. We looked at greed and selfishness. We recognized that it's not just in the Bible, but we recognize that these issues that humanity is struggling with isn't just recognized in the Bible, but it's recognized by environmentalists themselves. Then we talked about how conversion has the ability to change human nature. Helen, would would you agree? I mean, how does it happen? How does the how does conversion change a person's nature? You know, do you know of any examples? I mean, what do the scriptures say? You know, do the scriptures give us any principles that would help us to counter the human tendency to greed and selfishness? Okay, you've covered a few questions. I've covered a few questions. (laughs) Thank you, Gary. Yes, look, when you come to to the Lord and when you are converted, it's a heart matter. Mm. It's absolutely from the heart. If you've really truly, you know, been converted, and it's it's a change in your way, your perception of looking at things. Now, for example, um, I can tell you that some people believe that they own the land, they own everything. You know, it's theirs. You know, I did it my way and and what have you. And I remember that there was a famous preacher that once delivered a powerful sermon on the subject of God's ownership. And since it spoke of things that we have belonging to God, it made a certain rich member of the church a little upset. And the wealthy man took the preacher to his home for lunch and then walked him through his elaborate gardens, his woodlands and his farm. And when the tour was completed, the rich man smiled and said, now are you going to tell me that all this land does not belong to me? You can almost hear the arrogance there, can't you? And the preacher thought about it for a moment and he said, ask me that same question a hundred years from now. Mm. It's a very powerful answer, isn't it? Well, it is. And when you think of it, everything that we have belongs to God. Yeah. And I mean everything. You know, when I looked at your subject this week, I thought, yes, it's actually really about stewardship. Yeah. You know, when you stop and think about it, you mentioned steward, you mentioned stewardship in, in a, um, church, in a sermon and people immediately, you know, it becomes about as popular as a cockroach on a wedding cake really that's right you know because people immediately think oh that's tithes that's offerings but no stewardship includes looking after the environment you know it's it's first of all knowing that he owns us and he owns everything he owns my bank account he owns my home my car my family he even owns the clothes on my back it's all his so we have to look at it from that point of view he is the creator You know, God said that that God that made the world and all things then saw that he is Lord of heaven and earth. He doesn't dwell in a temple made with hands. Neither is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he gives to all life and breath and all things. Now, life and breath and everything, that covers it. You know, without him, we can't even breathe properly. Uh, yeah. You know, so that's also part comes into the part of our environment. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, 
our environment. And there's a great text in Acts 17, 27, 28. It says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, we are also his offspring. And Psalm, I love Psalms. David brings it out. He said, I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. So that comes in line with your conversion. It does. You know, it's the heart motives behind. But, you know, I thought of the word stewardship too, and I thought it actually means using God-given abilities to manage God's given resources to accomplish God's ordained results. Hey, that's a very that good, good definition there, actually, yeah. Helen. I really, just read it for us again because I don't want us to miss that one. Yeah, stewardship means using God-giving abilities. He's given us all abilities, mm-hmm. gifts, talents, to manage God-given resources mm-hmm. to accomplish God-ordained results. But firstly, we need to give him our heart. Yeah. Yeah, You know, and I mean, we could look at several stories in Scripture. We could look at um, the story of the talents and what have you. But I'd like to bring out um, something that C.S. Lewis said. He said, every faculty you have, your power of thinking or of moving your limbs from moment to moment is given you by God. If you devoted every moment of your whole life exclusively to his service, you could not give him anything that was not, in a sense, his own already. But you might remember way back in the Garden of Eden, he actually told Adam and Eve to do something. What was that with the environment? Uh, Tend and to keep. Yes, tend and keep it. Now, was that just for God's sake? One would think not. One would think that as their home, their environment, he's wanting them to do the best by their home. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's really for our good mm. that he puts these things into place. Yeah. You know, I thought to myself and I thought there has to be some principles that we need to follow. And when I, when I went and, and looked in Scripture, I thought four of them came to my mind when it came to the environment or stewardship. There is a principle of ownership, and we've just talked about that. Yeah. The earth yeah. is the Lord's yeah. and everything in it and, uh, and what have you. There, there is a principle of responsibility, Mm-hmm. We have that responsibility. God gives us everything to enjoy, yeah. You know, but we do have a responsibility. We are stewards, yeah, yeah. in this world. You know, we've got to manage what actually belongs to God. But and, He's and entrusted and is, us, and this is exactly what a parent does when they are bringing up their children, uh, is don't yes. they? Because what happens yes. is that you know, as my children grew up, what I what I really wanted to do, I didn't want to keep doing things for them, but rather what I wanted to do was to empower them to be able to live their lives as as individuals, you know. And this is something that, you know, to me I look at and I say, Hey, what's our Lord God doing in the uh, in the garden? Well, in the garden, he's empowered Adam and Eve to be able to manage all the things that he has actually given to them. Absolutely. Absolutely. He's entrusted us with the care, the development and the enjoyment of everything mm. he owns as his stewards. Yeah. He's entrusted it to us. That's a huge responsibility. When you think but of the things that he's actually entrusted to us, you know, the extent of this world, yes. you know, you sort of talk, you know, the riches in this world, the beauty in this world, the resources in this world Absolutely. have been given to yes. us mm-hmm. by the Almighty God. And he says, I want you to tend and keep. 
Yes, and he does give us guidance in the Bible, by the way. Um, there's one that, I, that I, I read recently, and it's in Leviticus. Mm-hmm. And uh, 19, 9 and 10, it says, When you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. Mm-hmm. Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare. Neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So he has even given us instructions that actually help other people as well. That's a really beautiful thought, isn't it? Mm. Because what we've actually got here is in society, you've got the rich man. The rich man owns his vineyard and he's collected his grapes the first time, but not all grapes ripen at exactly the same mm. time. You can go over them once, you can pick all, your, all the grapes that you want, but the rest of them I want you to leave for your community. Yes, absolutely. And I, I believe that comes into us looking after the environment. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. Because, I mean, it means that the, the rich man may not get as wealthy as he, if he went over and stripped them bare. But rather what he is doing is allowing the wealth to flow across to others. You know, there are some beautiful principles in the scriptures that we, we pick them up. We say, hey, there's something here that this could teach us today. And I believe that if we followed that, God would bless us abundantly. Yeah. You yeah. know, the third principle, let me just mention it quickly the principle of accountability. Yeah. You know, a steward is one who manages the possessions of another. And we are all stewards of resources, abilities, and opportunities that God has entrusted to our care. And one day, each one of us will be called to give an account of how we have managed what the Master has given us. You know, when you stop and think about that, what is it? That's going to come out of this And that's the fourth principle The principle of reward Yeah. yeah. Now I do things because I love the Lord And I know you do too Gary But you know ultimately He actually shows us In parables of the kingdom mm-hmm. That faithful stewards who do the master's will With the master's resources Can expect to be rewarded Maybe incompletely in this life, mm. but fully in the next. Yeah. You know, wouldn't it be great in Matthew twenty five twenty one when the master would say, well done, good and faithful servant. Mm. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. To me, that's a reward that I, I would love to hear, to share in his happiness, because he has seen that we've actually looked after the environment. Mm. We've looked after the resources that he's given us. We've used it to the best of our ability through his power. And and I think that's going to be a great thing to hear. You know, I was interested when I was looking through scripture too, and I love this little text too. I just want to share it with you. It's, I'm not making you look them up. Did you notice? <laughs> Deuteronomy 20. You notice I don't have my Bible here no, with me. No, I did <laughs> Deuteronomy 22.6. I don't know if you've read this, Gary, but he even talks about the birds. Yeah. Now it says here, if you come across a bird's nest in any tree or on the ground with young ones or eggs and the mother sitting on the young or on the eggs, you shall not take the mother with the young. Is that not our environment? Oh, that's, that's caring for your environment in an incredibly beautiful way, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And I was thrilled when I came across that. I thought yeah. we, we serve an amazing, amazing God. Who cares even for the little yes. things. In our world. But the beautiful thing is he even says that, you know, you are worth more than the sparrows. Yeah. 
you know, yeah. so he brings it back to us. You know, um, Isaiah and Jeremiah, they actually both talk about dire consequences that occur when a man disobeys God and fails to take care of the earth. Mm. You know, if people want to look those up, um, Jeremiah 2.7, I think, is, is one of them. And um, there's, there's other ones, too. So it's just amazing. There are a lot in Scripture. And the one that I was coming to, it's in, um, I think I just said Jeremiah, didn't I? It says, I brought you into a fertile land to eat its fruit and rich produce, but you came and defiled my land and made my inheritance detestable. You know, God gives us warnings and he's saying, I am looking at what you're doing. You know, um, it implies that we are morally accountable to him for treating creation in a manner that best serves the objectives of heaven. Mm. You know, God and, and the kingdom of God, both moral accountability and dominion over the earth depend on the freedom to choose. Yeah. And God gave us that that freedom to choose. You know, I think it's just amazing what God has given to us. Yeah. I think it's amazing that every one of us we have, um, we can see the principle of ownership. We can see the principle of responsibility. We can see the principle of accountability and we can see the principle of the rewards. And it all ties in one to the other. You want to reap what you sow. You're going to sow, sow good seed mm. in all areas of your life. That includes looking after ourselves because if we don't look after ourselves here I go on my health kick again if we don't look after ourselves Gary how can we be here to look after the environment if we don't look after the environment what legacy is that leaving our young people yeah 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 no that's they're so important those questions Mm. but to me the thing that really stands out at to me is that what we have here is a God who has at creation has given us all these wonderful gifts, but it's also given us, if you like, an owner's manual. And it's within the the owner's manual that he's actually said, hey, this is the world that I've given to you. This is how I want you to run it. And there are so many principles that many people don't actually realize are in the scriptures. You know, you mentioned the uh, the concept of gleaning, and gleaning is so important because gleaning, of course, is that beautiful thing that, that said, hey, we don't want, we want you to leave a portion that's in your field for the poor because we want mm. them to be able to have something as well. And I can just well imagine in the days of the, uh, of the Hebrew nation, the, the poor just waiting for that first uh, harvest to have actually taken place so that the rich man has completed what he's entitled to so that they're able to come and help themselves. And yeah, who is going to be poor in the land with this sort of system? You know, I I, I think also uh, the law also provided for the right of redemption of property, so the poor who had mis- met some form of misfortune could have a renewed opportunity of making a living for themselves. Then there's the tradition of the year of Jubilee. Have you heard of the year of Jubilee? Yes. Love yes. the year of Jubilee. This what is a great thing. This, this oh. is an amazing thing. You know, if, if you like, God, well, God said to his people, he said, we, I am the one that owns the land and this is how you are to, you are to, to work with it. Every 50th year, the law said the land was to return to the original owner. Now, that means that, hey, if I, as the father, had turned around and uh, 
something, something I had done, something in my life so that I had to sell my land, I could only, if you like, lease it to whoever I was selling it to until the end of the year of Jubilee. Now, of course, in the year of Jubilee, it had to go back and to maybe my son, mm. maybe myself as an old man. But, you know, to me, there's a very beautiful principle here. It means that uh, there is no one person who's actually able to accumulate all the land in, an, in a particular area. Every 50 years, it was going to go back mm. to the original owner or the family of the original owner. Do you know how that breaks down the possibility of people becoming rich? I was just going to interrupt you and say it also breaks down the possibility of people being self-centered. I believe God is showing us through his scripture on how to take care of the environment that actually has got the focus off us. Yeah. It's yeah. not only on God being the creator, but it's on other people. Yeah. And there is uh, an antidote, if you like, to the selfishness and the greed that we have in the land. Yeah. Yeah, and and that is that is to me something that the scriptures are sharing in a really beautiful way because what they're doing here is giving principles that are saying I understand that your heart naturally is actually quite selfish, guys. Yes, it's actually quite greedy. But there's some principles within the scriptures that if they were followed, I believe the environment, the disproportionate. Um, wealth divide between rich and poor actually wouldn't exist because the principles are within the word of God. And we would be happier people, Gary. Yeah. A lot yeah. happier because we'd live in an environment. In fact, that's what's come out of the coronavirus. People are saying there's less pollution out there because we're not driving our cars as much. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. That might be something we need to think about. I actually just read an article just, just today that pollution is starting to come back very quickly because things are starting to reopen again. Yes. And it really says something about the world in which we're living, doesn't it? It does. It does. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Helen, let's come to some uh, some music. Uh, this is uh, 3ABN. This is uh, music, uh, music artists. Uh, we have heard and marching to Zion. This is a really grand song. Please enjoy.
You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Helen Gray, and Helen's the lay pastoral leader from the Birdwood Seventh-day Adventist Church. And today we're looking at the question, does the Bible have anything to say about world environmental issues? We've been talking about this issue all week and uh, been, been amazed at some of the things the Scriptures are actually saying to us. Helen, please, start to bring it together for us. What really are the Scriptures saying to us? Okay, well, first and foremost, um, I think we need to realize that God is the owner yeah. Absolutely. We've established that. Yeah. He is the owner and and we have a responsibility. But God gives us a wonderful promise in Luke twelve, twenty nine to thirty one. He says, Seek not what you shall eat or what you shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. The reason I bring that forward is because some people think that if they follow God they won't have anything. Yeah. You know, yes, there is a price to pay in following God, not in monetary value so much, but in our time and how we look after the environment. But, you know, the first thing is there, seek ye the kingdom of God. Get to know him. And he has given us such amazing providential care. Yeah. You know, at the time when the Lord spoke those words, the fields of Palestine were carpeted with wild flowers. The air beautiful with the fragrance of the flowers you know the pastures the clustering of the hedgerows hiding in the woodland graves you know you can almost picture it and theirs was a careless a life as that of the birds which were flying overhead they toil not neither do they spin you know the father said for some plants like the exotics of the greenhouse and nurseries there must be extreme care and expense in their cultivation mm-hmm. in the provision of heat and the experienced skill of the horticulturist but our lord was not alluding to those but to the flowers of the grass which grow amid the wilds of nature or in the gardens of the poor and to him these were very very beautiful you know this teaches me that god loves beautiful things he expends thought and skill in their production. Mm-hmm. He might have made the world, Gary, without a daisy, human life without the beauty of childhood. Yeah. But since he clothed 
the beauty of short-lived flowers in the wild, you know, and the insects on a summer day, the shells of the miniature creatures that build up the solid fabric of the rocks. Surely this um, lavishness, this superabundance of creativeness must mean that he can and will withhold no good thing for them that trust him. Mm-hmm. But we must fulfill our part. We are not to be careless or improvident. We must certainly sow and reap toil and spin but when we've done all we must rely upon our heavenly father whose good pleasure it is to give believing that it is in vain for us to rise up early and sit up late eat the bread of sorrows for god will give us all that we need even while we sleep he will not allow his trusting children to starve to go unsheltered unclothed and unshod he says fear not little flock He's the good shepherd, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He asks you for your heart, you know, to give your all to him, and he certainly will not see you um, go hungry. This is something that, to me, as I as I think about it, I think, wow, what a what a God we're actually serving. In fact, it's something that I'm conscious that the world environmental movement really overlooks, doesn't it? You know mm. that you know it comes from a foundation that we, in fact, are in own everything that there is. Do you know? I just um, a little while ago, well, it was a couple of years back actually. I, I stumbled across a, a story. And uh, it concerned a uh, an entrepreneur uh, in in America. It uh, it was printed by Forbes magazine. Uh, this is this is what it said. It, the article was entitled "Meet David Green: Hobby Lobbies, Biblical Billionaire." And that really sort of took my attention in in no small way. And uh, this is um, the. Uh, uh, the person who was uh, being uh, who was interviewing uh, David said uh, said this when I ask him to walk me through the secrets to his company's growth, which the aerial plans represent, the seventy year old uh, with a full head of white hair, blue eyes, and a prominent square jaw doesn't take any personal credit, nor does he lord his executives. Now that's a significant, or his twenty two thousand employees or his customers, who will gobble up more than $3 billion worth of craft products produced by him this year. If you have anything, or if I have anything, it's because it's been given to us, he says, by our Creator, sweeping his hand over the acres of land out before him. I have learned to say, look, this is yours, God. It's all yours. I'm going to give it to you. He means that, literally. David Green has one of America's great little-known fortunes, having turned a makeshift manufacturing operation in his living room for arts and crafts into a retail monster with 520 superstores in 42 states. Green and his family own 100% of the company, and he ranks number 79 on our list of the 400 richest Americans, with an estimated net worth of $4.5 billion. That was a, a number of years ago now. Hobby Lobby's Cash Spigot currently makes him the largest individual donor to evangelical causes in America. I don't care if you're in business or out of business. God owns it, says Green. How do I separate from it? Well, it's God's in church and it's mine here. No, I have purpose in church, but I don't have but I but don't I have purpose over here? You can't have a belief system on Sunday and not live it, he says, on the other six days of the week. 
he keeps on going. Green makes a distinction between good causes employing people or researching cures for disease, for example, and great causes which will echo beyond our temporal existence. I don't know how to get anywhere else once you start with this one thing, that the Bible is God's word, he says, and Green has taken God's word digital. He sponsors the version Bible app for mobile phones, equipped to offer almost 300 different versions of Scripture in 144 languages, all available at the tap of your finger. It's already been downloaded more than 50 million times. He donated it. What, a, what sort of ministry is actually being uh, occurring here? While he's donated as much money to evangelical causes as anyone alive, Green is more humbled by the memory of his parents putting their last dime in the collection plate. His father was a small-time preacher who bounced from one tiny congregation to the other, eventually landing at a church just 35 attendees in Oklahoma, a speck of a town in the midst of a sea of cattle ranches and cotton farms, the family subsistent on hand-me-down clothes and food donations from the congregation going weeks with having put... without having meat to put on the table. But that didn't stop Green's mother from donating to the church. His wife of 51 years, Barbara, records her mother-in-law with reverence. She said, We don't give out of our need, but we give out of our surplus, she says. But David's mother gave out of her need. She would give stuff when she might not have something to replace that with. Yet she stepped out in faith. Does that remind you of a story in the Bible? Absolutely, Gary. It reminds me of a a widow who didn't have very much. She went along to the temple and the rich men, the rich people there were deliberately dropping their money in so it made a big noise, Mm. you know, and uh, they appeared to give a large amount. But when the poor widow came, she dropped in what they say is two small coins. Mm. The interesting thing about that story, like the one you've just read, which is quite incredible, is the interesting thing is that the woman woman gave all she had to live on. Mm. That was it. You know, in contrast to the way that most people handle their money today. Yeah. You know, there's a big contrast there. You know, when we consider giving a certain percentage of our income, we think that's a great accomplishment, Mm. you know, and we resemble those who gave a tiny part of their surplus in the story that Jesus told. But here that Jesus was admiring generous and sacrificial giving. That's what this man did. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he was blessed abundantly for it. I think I've often said to people, I mightn't have much in the bank, but I am the richest woman in South mm. Australia. Mm. I have so many blessings. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I think maybe um, we need to give some thought of increasing our, our giving. And I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about time. Mm. I'm talking about talents to a point beyond convenience, mm. you know, or contribution. You know, sometimes Seek we can God actually, uh, sometimes we can actually say that you know it's the it's the rich person. You know, God expects them to be uh, to be responsible because this lady is not condemned by Christ for what, but rather is commended for what she actually yes. does. Yes. And you know, to me, there's an ex- there's a practical example here. What she's doing is she is caring. She is caring for others for her God and others, 
outside of even her own needs. Mm. To me, there's a huge principle there as mm. I look at that because in the environment that I'm actually living today, you know, it's so easy to simply say, hey, I'm going to care for number one. I'm going to look after my needs before I look after anything else. But, you know, here in this story, I sort of see a lady She's down to her last two pennies and she says, I'm going to care for, I'm going to, to give that which I want to give before I care for myself. Absolutely. Total unselfishness. There's a big contrast between another story in the Bible of the man who built these barns. Mm. You know, he, he didn't have enough barns to store all his stock, his um, goods in. So he said, oh, I think I'll just build bigger barns. And what did the Lord say? You foolish man. Foolish man. You know, and he lost his life that night. Yeah. yeah. What legacy did he leave? Yeah. And this, that yeah. word legacy is so important here, isn't mm. it? You know, because f- the person who does not store up treasure in heaven, the scripture describes them as a as a fool. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Helen, I'm really conscious that we do have to come. We do have to conclude. Uh, Helen, would you pray for us as we conclude? Love to. Thank you, Gary. For all the listeners, let's pray. Loving Heavenly Father, you are indeed a loving Heavenly Father. You are creator and sustainer of all that happens in this world. We want to thank you for a beautiful world that you gave us, a world of color, a world a world that satisfies our needs. Um, we get food, water, air. We thank you for the many blessings. Lord, help us not to take them for granted. I pray that in return our love for you will be shown in how we look after the environment, how we look after ourselves, how we look after each other. And bring us together, Lord. Bring us closer to you in our walk with you that we can experience the blessings that I know that you have poured out upon us. But, Lord, help us to do it because of our love for you and nothing else. Mm -hmm. Please, Lord, our hearts help us to be more giving in our time, in resources, and in our money. Lord, bless each listener. And I pray that they will understand that you're with them now and you will meet their needs too. In the loving name of Jesus, we thank you for hearing and answering our prayers in thy name. Amen. Amen. Well, my friends, it does look like our time is up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary, Helen Gray on Drive Time. Big Q&A. Please join us tomorrow when we dig into this subject from the Bible once again, with this time with Nick Kretter, who who hosts the South Australian Bible Study Program. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember... Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy the Adventist Vocal Ensemble. Make me a channel of your peace. Let me bring your love